Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast, the show that brings together Michigan's top cannabis growers, advocates, and business owners to offer a fresh and honest perspective of Michigan's cannabis industry. Stick with us to get the lowdown from the people who have been on the ground floor of cannabis business in Michigan and gain insights into where the industry may be heading. Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Basor. Today is episode 65. And we have on repeat offender Rick Thompson, our good buddy, and we got a hot topic today. Rick, thanks for being on. <laughs> Thank you. Yep, looking forward to it. Uh, Kevin, over in Lansing, um, looking forward to talking about the Bills today. I know you were there. Um, how you feeling? Well, uh, a little disappointed. I uh, went there to testify yesterday, and obviously uh, they took up the majority of their time listening to a bunch of nonsense and only gave the opposition a few minutes to speak. But I'm glad Rick got to speak. He gave him a, a piece of his mind and a, a little foot in their ass, I think. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to hear his end of the story here. Awesome, awesome. Tom, I like the, the background. Uh, what's going on up in... Uh your home base right now yeah working at home base right now looking like nice favorable weather for canna jam this weekend gonna knock on some wood and uh yeah man we're excited excited to celebrate this weekend with everyone and uh and uh yeah i watched i was watching from home streaming it uh and the uh the whole thing uh just reeks of uh interesting content Say that right. Yeah, I uh, I was watching as well, and um, I got pretty pretty uh, pretty upset in the first 20 minutes, and had to get some work done. So it was uh, pretty nuts. But um, also really looking forward to Canada Jam. Uh, that's super exciting. Uh, it's it's crazy. We're going to a, an event like Canada Jam and still dealing with uh, uh, this BS. But uh, I wanted to give Rick a quick introduction, and we'll get right into it. Uh, we've had some technical difficulties, so we're uh, running a little behind. But Rick is the executive director of Michigan Normal. He's a big part of the Redemption Foundation, and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, everybody knows Rick. Rick, uh, thanks for being on. Uh, we always love you, love you on. But we want to talk about House Bill 5300, 5301, and 5302. A quick summary, and then kind of tell us about what happened yesterday for anyone that didn't see it or, or hasn't hasn't read. Thanks for having me on, guys. I always appreciate Smoke and Rope. Uh, 5300 through 5302 would propose changes to the Michigan patient and caregiver laws, which no patient or caregiver seems to actually favor. Uh, they would include a, about an 80% reduction in caregiver plant allowance. It would separate 42,000 registered patients from their registered caregivers uh, almost immediately in March of 2022. It would outlaw the use of all flammable solvents and the creation of concentrates on a home-based level. And for most of us that came from the caregiver world, flammable solvents are about the only way you can create most of the concentrates, especially those that are used by pediatric patients. It proposes uh, the revealing of caregiver addresses to local law enforcement, which is something that's been part of the Michigan Medical Marijuana Act as a protected piece of data since 2008. There are several other other proposed changes within this. It's, it's kind of a broad thing. The reason they have three bills is because they're trying to change three laws simultaneously. The Tracking Act, the Michigan Medical Marijuana Act, and then I'm also the MMFLA. Uh, those are three uh, acts which cover the caregiver world. 
Rick, that's a great explanation. Just talking about it, like just hearing you say that they're gonna give up the uh, the addresses, the caregivers, and like it's no big deal. Like, man, that uh, they used to use that and just raid us with it. So it hasn't been that long. That like that's that's tough to stomach uh, for me. Um, those those same same people that were raiding are now would be in charge of that. But besides they call that, that a treasure map, Ryan, because that's essentially what law enforcement looks at it as. They can they can go from address to address and do their fake compliance checks to see if. Uh, they get anybody to bite on it and then put people in jail. Yeah, and thank God uh, the, the civil asset forfeiture is reformed or they'd be going even harder. Um, but why don't you talk about uh, the, as you called it, the dog and pony show yesterday or the, um, that was the uh, the hearing and give us, give us your uh, take on that. And then I know Kevin okay. was there and he's got a question after that. Thanks, guys, and thank you for being there, too, Kevin, and thanks for all the support. Everyone that watched on the Zoom broadcast, they were in support also, and I know that they know how many people were watching on Zoom. I'm told by many people that they had to shut off the chat on the Zoom broadcast because there were so many negative comments towards the bill sponsors and the bills themselves that I guess they just didn't want to have it anymore. Uh, but the Regulatory Reform Committee met yesterday from 10.30 until 12.15, which sounds like a really long amount of time, except as we mentioned, from 10.30 to about 11.40, 11.45, they, uh, they took testimony exclusively from government employees, lobbyists, and paid public relations specialists on the dime of the MCMA. And when I say that, I'm specifically referring to the Anderson Economic Group, which had a lengthy presentation, and then an, an, uh, via Zoom presentation, from a pollster who's from another state. Uh, they ran five, six, seven different speakers in a row, all of which were in favor of the bills. Traditionally, when we see debate like this, it's one in favor, one opposed, one in favor, one opposed. They didn't do that. So uh, instead of uh, allowing Kevin and the rest of the 150 or more patients that showed up to speak, they only allowed testimony from about five of us before the time elapsed. Plus, 15 of those minutes were in what we like to sometimes call garbage time. When they extend the meeting an extra 15 minutes, most of the representatives there have to go someplace else. So at the end, one of the most moving presentations was from Susan Fisher, and unfortunately it was only in front of about three or four of the actual house reps who are going to be able to vote. Susan's a stage four cancer patient who had been in the hospital 24 hours prior to this. And she went to the legislature, like Kevin, to, to tell them exactly how bad these things were. Susan was fortunate to be able to speak, but how many people won't be able to come the next hearing? Uh, the Steve Linder dog and pony show was on full display when Mr. Linder, who is the head of the Michigan Cannabis Manufacturers Association, was called up to uh, speak, he came up with Shelley Edgerton. Shelley's a familiar face to all of us in the cannabis industry. She used to be the, the uh, head of the Licensing and Regulatory Affairs Department in the state of Michigan, uh, now schlepping for the MCMA. Uh, Steve Linder brought with him a bottle of beer, a bottle of wine, a bottle of whiskey, a bottle of aspirin, a box of Sudafed, and a mysterious bag. He set all of these things out and then started to talk about how cannabis provided from caregivers isn't real medicine. It's not how we look at medicine in America. 
and he held up the bottle of aspirin and the Sudafed to show how we look at medicine. He showed the labels on the booze to show how we have all these proper labels. And then he reached down into his bag and pulled out a big jar of cannabis and said, this is what properly labeled cannabis from a retail establishment looks like. And then he pulled out some weak looking baggie that had some pencil shavings colored dark in it, it looked like, claiming that this was an example of caregiver cannabis. Now, also, at the beginning of his presentation, his lackeys brought out about a half a dozen large easels and giant poster board upon which were huge images of cannabis plants. So when we say dog and pony show, it really was a whole, uh, let me show you my bottles here. And then also let me show you this background of all these cannabis plants too. So they disallowed Steve from, from putting the cannabis posters in between the committee members and the audience because you're not allowed to block their view. So they were regulated over to the sides, but the point was the same. Steve had brought an entire presentation, an entire orchestrated messaging system in order to try and sell these lawmakers on the bills. Now, if you think about it, that's only the latest in a long series of actions taken by the Michigan Cannabis Manufacturers Association to try and get lawmakers to say yes to a program they'd probably never say yes to if they knew the true details of it. Remember the Anderson Economic Group study from earlier this year? Then there was also the two polls that were paraded in front of us at the committee meeting yesterday, plus all the paid media advertisements we've seen from MCMA and the MCMA Associates. There's those wonderful green sky mint folders that appeared in all the House representatives' offices just last week. And then, of course, there's the hiring of Shelley Edgerton, who had to come at a pretty penny. I got to tell you, the former head of licensing and regulatory affairs, I'm sure she doesn't come cheap. When you add it all together, it's a multi-million dollar public relations campaign with one goal in mind, to get lawmakers to say yes to something they'd never say yes to if they knew the true details. So Steve Linder's Dog and Pony Show version 3.0 was on display yesterday. It really wasn't very pretty. And here's the important part. The chairman allowed Mr. Linder to do all of his theatrics with the exception of the posters, which he said he would not allow to block the view. But he let him talk about the aspirin bottle. He let him talk about Sudafed. Let him talk about the alcohol. Let him talk about all the false comparisons between regulated alcohol and medicinal products and cannabis provided from a, an unregulated caregiver. When George Brico was asked to testify, when I was asked to testify, and when Joe Sullivan was asked to testify, none of us were allowed to mention anything other than specifically referencing the language of the act. And in fact, <laughs> I got gaveled out, kicked out of the chair, Kevin will tell you, he was right there, uh, because the, the, the chairman said that I was not confining my speech to the language of the law itself, yet he tolerated a 15-minute presentation maybe by, by uh, MCMA, the lobbying group, where they brought in all these props and all these accessories. So I was a little ticked by the time I got up there to give my presentation because at that point it was pretty clear patients and caregivers were being disrespected, false information was being presented, and this, this whole uninterrupted Steve Linder sideshow. So when I called them out for it, they uh, 
as as expected, they did not appreciate being called out. So, that's but, a good summary. Is it is it too e too early to call him evil, Steve? Are we are we there yet, Rick? Are, are we? Are no, we, no. But are we cool with that? I mean, you heard me say it on the record yesterday, <laughs> it, right? You know, yeah. I mean, it's 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 absolutely insane. You know, um, I was sitting there. I watched the bailiff uh, take out his handcuffs and take two steps towards Rick as Rick is debating with the house in a peaceful manner. Um, after waiting patiently for an hour and 45 minutes, listening to uh, direct insults to our intelligence, um, I thought it was insulting that, uh, as you mentioned, Rick, that uh, one after another, uh, the house reps uh, snuck out the back door and left only three or four of them remaining to listen to the testimony of cancer patients and 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 caregivers to uh who in my opinion are, are the heroes of this this entire thing uh you know and so uh you know that's just my opinion but anyway i wanted to ask you rick real quick we saw some testimony from the uh, townships association and i thought when i listened to your podcast last night uh one of the girls that was on the on the podcast made a very very interesting uh point and that is that the townships association testified that they can't control their townships that they have houses full of multiple caregivers stinking up the neighborhoods trucks backing up full of weed driving all over the place causing all this havoc and they somehow can't seem to enforce any of that but then they're going to go ahead and support a bill that causes them to then have to regulate these exact same people in some fashion or form it just made absolutely no sense and i, I was wondering if you could talk to me about that a little bit well kevin have you ever seen an industry where you can admit your total and complete failure to the legislature and have no consequence for that? Never. Just unbelievable. And, I, and, and the thing is, Rick, and I don't even know, you know, I was debating this with Rick earlier, or with uh, with Ryan earlier before the show. Who Who is the Michigan Townships Association? You know, one would, would, would immediately jump to the conclusion that, oh, they must represent the all, of the, all of the townships. But do they? Or are they just a lobbying organization that are masquerading as the representatives of all these township associations? Or are they the, the, the association that's masquerading as the neighborhood associations? Or are they the association masquerading as if they regulate the entire state of Michigan's Chamber of Commerce? Because I don't know that that's exactly what they do. You know, the Michigan Municipal League and the Michigan Townships Association for a very long time have taken heat in Michigan as just being extensions of the Republican Party. It does seem as if they rubber stamp some of the most heinous uh, business proposals that we have in the state, including some of the most ecologically damaging things uh, and, and some projects that don't really result in any new jobs, but just seem to be, you know, private cash generation machines for people. So Michigan Townships Association and Michigan Municipal League have not been favorable towards cannabis for a very, very long time. And what we heard them say yesterday is just an extension of the same line that they've been putting out since 2010. Update your files, people. It's now a beneficial feature to all municipalities to have a cannabis business contingent. If you don't, you are losing out to your neighboring communities who do. I, I, it baffles me, Kevin, that they that they would go to such lengths to talk about how they can't handle illegal cannabis growers in their community, yet they know exactly where they are because of all of these these cannabis complaints from their neighbors. Yeah, I'm, uh, man, Rick, like this is, uh, I can't believe in 2021, I guess, like uh, just we're going to have Canada Jam. We got all this stuff going on and we're dealing with this because... You know, 10, 11 years ago, like we, everybody here deals with the truth 
honesty, you have a moral code. That's like you don't fight to get marijuana legal just by, you know, doing what the government tells you. So like we're just used to yet yeah, we've had to be completely honest and fight and then to to list start I started listening to that yesterday and I think it just it makes me like why so like why, you know, like I'm getting a little disenfranchised with politics again because, um, you know, uh, I'm hearing we, we're going to have to work really hard to stop this, count a lot of votes. I, uh, I, I believe that. Like, there, people are sounding the alarm. we got a lot of opposition uh, to help with us. But it's it's real, and there's a lot of people uh, forgetting maybe what marijuana did in 2018, especially for, for the Dems. So um, I'm, uh, I'm just, uh, kind of talking about it here. Uh, just, just, uh, it's, it's just disappointing to me, but you know, what, on that note, what can we do? I know on my end, get a hold. I've been trying to get people to talk their, their personal state rep, but tell us about what's going on. What can somebody at home do? What can the, uh, the other business owners here that support the same thing or the ancillary business that support the same things that we do to do? Well, it, I will say that yesterday on my on my show, Jazz Cabbage Cafe, Ida Pearl Lee, uh, who's deputy director of the Michigan Cannabis Industry Association, uh, said that she personally witnessed one of the, the representatives when leaving who called us all a bunch of dumbasses. Um, what we can do, Ryan, is when we identify people like that, we can send notes to the committee chair. We can send notes to that particular rep. We can try and help clean up the legislature through our, our advocacy. Um, mm -hmm. At this particular point, there's a small group of people that'll be voting in committee. It's almost a certainty that this package of bills, no matter how bad they are, will get out of committee because it only requires a 50% vote. But once it hits the floor of the house, that is our one opportunity to be able to really stop this legislation. I think most people understand that when this advances to the Senate, if it does, that we have no control over that process. The Senate has all the votes they need to pass it, even with a supermajority needed, and that the Senate could do some really terrible things with this bill, put a lot more horrible restrictions in there. And the Senate really cares a lot less about what we think than even the House does. Yeah. So trying to reach out to your House representatives now at a time when these particular bills are likely to be voted on by all of the House, um, and be familiar with your, your lawmakers. Um, the other thing is to support all of the social media that you see that supports caregivers. And when you see something from the MCMA members or people that, that are talking down to caregivers, make sure that you correct the record. Comment on it if you see it on a major news media. Those comments really do matter when editors decide what the, what the character of their reporting is going to be whether it favors business, whether it favors caregivers. And as a, as a cannabis user, be a good ambassador of cannabis. Tell your story and try not to get in trouble and, uh, and make sure that you are spreading the word. Uh, cannabis is here to stay. There are no deaths, there are no illnesses. When it was challenged yesterday, they had no answer. No answer when they were required to, to produce evidence by Rep Yancey that there had actually been harm from caregiver cannabis because they don't have any answers. So but, know that you're speaking from a position of strength and, and speak often, speak loudly. Ironically, speak yeah, ironically, nobody was talking about the recalled cannabis that failed for you know insecticides um, and how that got out to market. Uh, no comment on that. How did that even make it through metrics? So, I mean, 
at so many levels, the arguments, the arguments don't make any sense. You have to really consider the source just like anything else too, you know, where it's coming from. Caregivers don't want this, obviously, even though they try and pepper it with a little $500 fee and hey, you can grow all the plants that you want up to your 72, but then you also have to follow all the same exact rules and guidelines that a licensed establishment like us have to follow. And it, all you're doing is just, you know, dressing it up in different clothes. You know, it's the same thing. Tom, you mentioned the recall. I was actually a participant in the MRA's um, enforcement division update. They do a regular update. It's a webinar and you can submit questions through the chat. And I asked specifically about that. I said, how did the, that cannabis get through the testing? How did we determine that the, the potential dangerous chemicals came to it through a trimming machine? Uh, how did we discover this in the first place? I mean, where was the reporting on this? Uh, and uh, Mr. Hanna, who's in charge of, of the Marijuana Regulatory Agency's Enforcement Division, said, those are all great questions, but it's an open investigation. I can't answer any of that. He said, but you can probably look for more news about this coming up before too long. So that really didn't say anything, but it said enough. I know that this is probably something that's going to result in more sanctions against cannabis companies. I can't really see how this happens without someone intentionally deceiving. I can't. So, yeah, you know, it was interesting, Rick. Uh, I got a kick out of uh, one of the house reps, you know, for the first time I heard something that I was, I was shocked by. He, he sat there and actually said that um, back in the 70s, you used to make a living selling marijuana. What did you think about that? Yeah. You know, uh, what crazy times we live in now, right? Uh, here's a guy who, who probably still wants to run for re-election at some point, totally willing to own the fact that that he used to, to illegally sell cannabis. We also had, again, Representative Cynthia Johnson going on record, uh, admitting that she is a current cannabis user. And actually, she said she grows her own plants, I think is what I heard her say, kind of uh, secondhandly. But what crazy times we live in. There's no way you could have gotten this five years ago. That would have been, it, to most people's idea, the death of a of a career yeah. in politics, if you if you mentioned that, other than as someone that comes from Ann Arbor. Well, that being mm -hmm. said, do you believe that there is a supermajority that actually is going to be, you know, able to show up in order to make this thing actually happen? Uh, Ryan knows we need about 28 votes in the House of Representatives to stop these bills. I think we can get the 28 votes. I think we can. I can't. We can get enough people to say no. And there's two reasons why. First of all, it's just bad law, and it, it disproportionately affects uh, people of color. Uh, it, it's, it's negative towards all patients and caregivers in the state of Michigan. But the second is because Steve Linder is such a hated son of a bitch on 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 Capitol Hill in Lansing. Uh, the man that's running this. What a poor choice the MCMA made in, in having Steve Linder be their point man. Uh, there are people out there that would vote no just to watch him fail. That's how poorly his reputation has established itself in the state in the state capital. So uh, I think with those two things in combination, yeah, baby, we might be able to do this. Well, you know, that's uh, those are good points, Rick. And that actually makes me feel a little better uh, hearing, hearing that on the I'm reminding myself on that because the uh, the news articles that came out yesterday was like it was the best uh, Emma Murr's uh, uh, article I've ever read uh, in my opinion and seemed uh, seems like the news and they're getting a kick out of it and maybe they they do got a hard feeling with Linder but 
I know, like, uh, we can't, we've got to, like, give it our, our best effort and can't be complacent. I mean, we've got to go all out on this. It's time. Um, so I was going to ask you, like, what about, like, there's just some, some, some issues of this is just horrible law. Like, and usually I like to say, is someone stupid or a liar? And a lot of time they're a liar, but like, sometimes this could be both. I don't know. Like, what about with like, you know, all of a sudden there's going to be at least 10,000 to 15,000, maybe caregivers that want to, um, do this, uh, or are part of this. And, and the MR, you know, the MR TMA, uh, Laura is going to be overseeing that and the testing, like we're barely getting our testing done. Like, how is this possible? Um, what are your thoughts on, on that aspect? And is, is it, do they know how bad this is or are they just that bad? I don't know. Well, it's pretty clear that the MCMA didn't think this program all the way through before they wrote that legislation and gave it to the lawmakers who then claimed they wrote it, just like, you know, Mike Calton did every year with the, the local option bill that we crafted with the Marijuana Policy Project. But um, there are a couple of different consequences that they didn't foresee. One of them is the testing issue. Uh, you simply don't have the testing infrastructure. On one of my previous shows, uh, I asked Director Brisbow about that, and he said we, we would have to have more infrastructure in Michigan before we could do that. The other is the metric compliance. Now, remember, testing doesn't work if you don't have metric, right? I mean, who cares? If you can't track the batch, what's the test results useful for? So enrolling people into the metric system is difficult even when you're a corporate entity and you can pay someone to do nothing but compliance and they, they focus on it and, and they make sure that everything goes as well as possible and even then there's still problems. When you're a caregiver and you have kids at home or you have uh, other life issues uh, and you don't have a staff, it, the person that's growing the cannabis plants has to learn how to do all the metric stuff too. There's just no way that that's successful. The licensing, I'm sorry, uh, Marijuana Regulatory Agency uh, estimated, according to one thing I heard, that it would take about $3,000 to be able to not only educate these caregivers on the metric program, but also to provide continuing support through an 800 number for people to call when they had difficulty figuring out metric or when it was jammed up. I saw a notice just the other day, y'all know this better than me, but was metric down just recently again? Metrics down on a regular basis, and that's part of the problem, Rick, is that it already has issues. If I call that 800 number that they're talking about, uh, every person that I've ever talked to in the live call that when I call in, all they are is like a, a message taking service. They then go back and research how to fix the issue, and then they come back to you two or three days later and give you an answer. Um, it is not an expedited deal. It's not flawless. It takes months and months of training. I've been doing it for three years, Metric, and I still make mistakes. It allows you to make mistakes that you shouldn't make. It's designed for multi-state use and each state has different regulations. So it allows for all these different things to, to occur that make it ultra complicated. Um, you know, and, and so I see that being a bottleneck. I also see the testing being a bottleneck. There was one point where I waited six weeks for a test result. And, uh, and, and, and there were big companies getting around that by paying more money uh, you know, I had uh, testing facilities telling me, you know, hey, you know, we can expedite your test if you pay, you know, $400 more a test. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. So you're just going to skip somebody else in the line. You know, so uh, we're, we're all together. I think that logistically it's going to be a nightmare. This cannabis specialty grower license that's offered in, in the language of 4300, 4301 and 4302. 
I describe it as unattainable, and let me tell you why. First of all, you're asking a, a regular individual, a caregiver, to have a corporate level investment in establishing a setup uh, that that meets all the different fire codes and everything else too. When they're, it's not realistic to expect they have access to that resource. But more importantly, municipal approval. I mean, Ryan Basar ran around this state trying to convince communities to say yes to heavily regulated licensed cannabis business types. Now, uh, a caregiver operation under the cannabis specialty grower is less heavily regulated. Uh, it would be a very difficult sell to most municipalities, Ryan, don't you think? It would be really tough to get people to pass ordinance law allowing this particular type of operation. Yeah, especially because guess what? Guess who's coming over the top with data from, uh, you know, their their studies from the Michigan Municipal League and then the Township Associations and then Linder's Group and MCMA and everybody's lobbying against them, even opting in, da-da-da-da. It's, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's definitely, you know, a, a plan involved with it. It's, it's disheartening just why... Uh, you know, right now the Michigan market, we're like uh, Kevin and I were talking about. Last six months, it's averaged between 150 and 175 million a month. Like, people are people are doing it. Uh, people are doing well. Um, you know, the big problem is 280 for a lot of it, and 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 too many. You know, some of the the bogged down restrictions already with with the system that need to be fixed. So, um, wh what can't you be successful with that? You know, and then. Um, you know, this is just crony capitalism, like the people screaming that they love capitalism uh, are the ones against letting the best man and woman to, uh, win. So anyways, good, it's, good, it's good crafting rant. monopoly. Yeah. It is crafting it is. monopoly, but think of it as, as part one of a multi-step attack mode, right? First, you eliminate caregivers from having five patients to just having one. Well, then that 12 plant caregiver allowance is exactly the same as patients or all adults in Michigan have. So now you can just eliminate caregivers, right? And you can eliminate patients too, because everybody's got the right to grow 12. And then you've eliminated the medical program and now you take away the right to grow 12. So if you look at this attack on caregivers as act one of a four or five act play, it looks really nefarious, right? And it looks like we should all be unified in our efforts to stop it from from taking place. I I agree, and and like for one thing, I don't think a lot of these people putting this plan together understand. Like you know, they're gonna like you take this away from people growing seventy two. Like what if they they realize all of a sudden if uh, in their county it's a misdemeanor and the prosecutor you know do maybe they do 200 maybe do 300 like people aren't gonna stop people we've been growing and doing this when it was really really like uh harmful uh penalties as we know um because it's the right thing to do so like the idea that this is just gonna make everybody stop it's gonna be more arrests, more doors getting kicked in nobody wants to see anybody get their doors kicked in for marijuana anymore so and back um, to people in jail yeah. yeah it's it's bad it's 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 pointless i i think it's really just uh you know, these guys have to have something like this happen uh, in order for their businesses to work. So, you know, they're not going to stop. And, and Linder's trying to go out with a big bang. I think if he got this through, he'd probably retire is what I'm hearing as well. So I want to I want to like kind of wrap this up. We could keep going on this. I know uh, it's a couple of hard outs, but uh, man, Rick, thanks for coming on. Uh, Kevin, why don't you say goodbye first? Yeah, I just wanted to say really quick, uh, you know, Evil Steve had made the point that they own 40% of the market, the MCMA. Um, if there are $175 million coming in in revenue a month from 
legal cannabis sales, doesn't that mean they're making $75 million a month or bringing in 75 million a month? So what's the issue? You can't make money there? I don't know. They want it uh, all, baby. They want it all. I understand. But hey, uh, Rick, I appreciate you coming on the show, dude. You're a badass. Uh, I think it was great watching you stand up to these guys. And as always, you know, I, I appreciate you saying the things that I can't say always in public. So uh, I appreciate you. Take care. And thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Thanks. Tom. Couldn't have said it any better, man. Rick, I'll see you this weekend, right? Canna Jam, Ypsilanti, Riverside Park. Consumption event with comedy, music, and a laser light show. Correct, though? You had me at laser light show. So, yeah. <laughs> See you there, buddy. Thanks. Rick, Rick, any final thoughts for the, the audience? Look, the important thing is that what we've described today is we need an ongoing commitment to you, from you, the audience, towards advocacy. We all hoped after 2018 we wouldn't have to be doing this, but... We are still having to do this. And it only works if everybody at all levels participates. We have regulated licensees here. We have uh, audience members who are just consumers and everybody in between, plus all the ancillaries and even people who are just supporters who may not use cannabis themselves. If we're not all united, we're probably not gonna like what happens. That's my message. Yep, thanks Rick. And, and made me think about that, I've actually, there's been a lot of stores and new stores reaching out uh, to to me, Redemption, in the last like three or four weeks. And a lot of the messages, we like what you guys are doing. We don't like what the MCMA and these are these are younger people and they're they're from Michigan or they're the, the staff has um, been around. And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot more people following it in the stores and the up and the employees out there than I think most people know. Um, so that's. You know, let's get those guys mobilized. Let's everyone talk to their state rep. And on a higher note, I can't wait for Canada Jam this Saturday. I'm real happy Michael Camorn uh, put this together. And I know uh, Tom's been a big part of making that happen and Jamie and, and, and a lot of others. But, you know, it's priced right. This is, I think, the first cannabis event that's priced like a regular concert, which is, I think, what you need to do. It's a great location. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of a lot of people down there, and uh, if you if you're coming and listening, it's, the thirty dollars is worth it just for the uh, the networking of the, all the different uh, uh, people that I know are coming. So with that, can't wait to see everybody Saturday. We'll see it. The Smoking Rope Podcast is produced and hosted by me, Ryan Basor, the owner of Redemption Cannabis. Have ideas for episode topics or would like to be a guest on the show? Contact us at ryanb at redemptioncanna.com. Thanks for being along for the journey.